I have something else to say, and this time it's about um, the healthcare industry. I, I'm done. <laughs> Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now at the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming from the road in Chicago, Illinois, at one of my favorite whiskey bars, or above one of my favorite whiskey bars in Chicago, Illinois, at Slightly Toasted. With us today to co-host the podcast is our number one boy, our number one correspondent, and the man who makes all the goats dance. Hello, it's Matt Matt Brown. Well, Matt Brown is here. Hi. Do you want to have Matt or Matthew today? Oh, why don't I let you two decide? By you two, you mean our guest, which I'm going to let I you do. introduce since you set this one up. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> uh, joining us is John Chesney. We'll get his exact title in a second when he starts to speak. But he's uh, the um, the guy here at the Toasted, the whiskey man here at the Toasted's uh, here in Chicago, formerly of Bar Hill <laughs> Distilling in Vermont. Vermont? Yep, Vermont. Formerly of... Green Door Tavern, and we look forward to hearing about all these things on the upcoming podcast. But before then, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Blue Chew. <laughs> do you do you have problems with maintaining this your erection? This is why we don't bring you back to the podcast that much. <laughs> Hi, John. Yeah. John, hey welcome guys. to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is cool. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know you worked at Green Door. Yeah. Uh, that I put in my notice there when we opened... Uh, slightly toasted. What year was that? I guess I I left Green Door in 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how long were you at Bar Hill for? Two years. Okay. Yeah, I helped them through their transition into Winebow. Uh, we were with another distributor that closed. I couldn't even remember what the, <laughs> what the one's called at this point. But <laughs> they all get eaten up. Yeah, they do. How do you get into that job with Bar Hill? I kind of had a reputation at that time of being a whiskey guy Mm -hmm. and Bar Hill was looking for someone with a, they wanted somebody with a whiskey background because they felt with their barrel aged gin that they could appeal more to whiskey drinkers. So they sought me out and I was into it. Yeah. Bar Hill was my, one of my gateways into gin. Um, What's the honey one? Uh, Yeah, that's Bar Hill. Yeah. The, uh, what's it, what's it called? Uh, Something, something cat. Tomcat Tom? is their barrel-aged one. Okay. Yeah. Is there a Tomcat did it with honey or something? Whatever it was, but tried it back, like, probably around 2014, 2015. I was over at Cobol. I think it was one of the main gins that got us into barrel-aging gin, too. I know that in Citadel over in France kind of was kind of the, the leader of barrel-aging gin. But, yeah, it was a n- nice little transition into something different with gin. As everybody was like, oh, let's explore all these botanicals and the craft scene with gin. But then let's put it into whiskey barrels or X barrels and see what happens to it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not much of a gin drinker. And there's a simplicity to it. Mm-hmm. Like, we're here to showcase the honey and the barrel. And I was like, I'm into that. And I was into it as well, as a matter of fact. Oh, thanks. <laughs> when uh, I was a beverage director of Little Goat Diner. Um, I always forget that. R- rest in peace, Little Goat Diner. It's still around, but it's moved, and it's not the fucking same. Anyways. It's so a diner it, now. It, it, okay. So uh, <laughs> was it always a diner, though? But aren't my methods supernatural? What do you mean? I was quoting Ra's al Ghul from Batman Begins there at the end. Wasn't it always a diner? Anyway, so I was... You know, uh, I don't think you ever talked about owning a diner in that movie. No, no, the superna- the bit of the supernatural... Aren't his, my methods super... Aren't his methods supernatural? Well, Razagul could be anybody. So John um, worked for Bar Hill, and he presented uh, Bar Hill to me when I was uh, at Little Goat Diner. Hmm, how the tables so have turned. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Um, yeah, and... Uh, 
uh, we met, and it's been uh, we we we've been in love ever since. Love. And this is where we talk about it openly <laughs> in, this, in the corner of this building. <coughs> yeah. Oh, with the, some drawings on the side there, some plans for the future. I mean, can't even tell what those are. I mean, that's a, that's supposed to be. This is supposed to be like a big fancy oh. bar on the second floor as an amenity to the building. We'll post some pictures, people, of what it could be and what it might look like. And, and what probably it does never like. will. Never will. I like that. Um, well, how was that being a rep versus what you do now? I mean, I think when you are on the bar side, there's a you glamorize being a rep, where it's like, oh, I get to go and uh, spend money at the bar and like. Uh, mm. You know, I've always had this relationship with my reps. Like, I want to be friends with people. I don't really want to do work with people that are just transactional in nature. Sure. So I like to be around and work with people I enjoy. So I always like the idea of being that guy that could come in and everybody's excited to see them. And, you you know, you buy shots. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite experiences, uh, my ex and I were huge fans of Scofflaw. Mm-hmm. And I went there with my current girlfriend at the time. God, so many <laughs> layers removed. Women. So yeah. many ladies. So we get it. He's a real <laughs> ladies yeah. man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like us. Real la- ladies guys over here. Real. About what? Lavaras. 12 years for you? 10 years for yeah, me? 13, yeah, 13, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been, I've been with the same girl, Colleen, for uh, a little over two years now. Okay. So, Congratulations. Congratulations. Shout out yeah. Colleen. Colleen, what's up? Uh, so I'm at Scoff. Fr- I had a friend named Colleen who made a, a guy named Matt cry one time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Keep interrupting, John. Never let him get to this. I'm usually the interrupter. Yeah, I was just doing your part. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so at Scofflaw, and uh, I'm sitting literally next to my ex with my current girlfriend, mm, mm. and oh. my rep's like, hey, we need to make, or my boss, like, we need to make a splash at Scofflaw by everyone in the bar around the shots. And I was like, okay, hell yeah, let's do it. And I went to the bartender, I'm like, I just want to buy everyone around the shots. He goes, everyone? I'm like, <laughs> Everyone's seated. Everyone's standing at the bar. If they're here, I'd like to buy them a shot. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I like this guy. I like this guy. <laughs> that's a, that's that is cool. Did your ex-girlfriend get a shot? Of course. I thought you were going to say at the end of the story, everyone got a shot except for her. No, no, not Patty. Patty in so much as I cheers her. Mm, got it. <laughs> Very well done. What were you doing before Bar Hill? Uh, before Bar Hill, uh, I had a small uh, boutique bitters brand. So I was making bitters and hustling. I think it was in like 20, 20 or 30 locations in the city. What, what brand was that? It was called uh, Bestiary. Huh. I mean, there's no reason for you to know it. Okay. Because uh, we're Do you know a it? decade removed no, I've from it. No, I've never heard of it. Uh, I mean, we weren't in anywhere like Little Goat. Oh. Yeah. I would have been p- so happy to have bought it if, uh, if I had. If what I knew did you it. buy while you were there? Uh, Bar Hill, Blum Brothers. <laughs> Uh, rabbit hole, weirdly enough. Okay. Uh, that's it. Those are <laughs> just those three things. <laughs> Didn't have any vodkas or anything on your back. No, bar? I, I, we bought a lot of stuff. Um, we bought a lot of stuff that Boca mandated we buy. Ah. Um, because of, you know, various sundry pl- pay to play situations that mm-hmm. those guys engage in. And then of course, cause it was 2015 and 2016, we bought a lot of vermouths. And Amaro's and stuff because <laughs> mm. those were so in, baby. Have you ever had anybody go to you and be like, "Do you have an Amaro?" When you're like, "I obviously work for a whiskey brand." Not in a long time. Oh darn! Yeah, yeah. Me either, I guess not in a long mm. time. I think the uh, well, 
I think the time for that kind of expansion has passed, the like mm. Amaro expansion and Vermouth expansion. But it very much used to be in in like 2017 or so. I think that was kind of the end of it. Well, I think it, it was on the back end of the cocktail movement. Sure. Totally. And when people were excited about cocktails, they were looking for any kind of edge to make it a right. little different. When do you think that died, John? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, an aggressive question. I'm not leading it or anything, but I think it's fucking dead and no one cares about cocktails. Would you care to mention, would you care to comment on that? Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think what the last, like, cool cocktail bar to open was. Because, I mean, there are places that open, but, like, you're not going there because they're, like, breaking down barriers when it comes to cocktails. It's just like, yeah, it's another cool cocktail bar that does riffs on classics. Uh Yeah, I think they're... Definitely is that conversation. I don't know if it's dead. It's is there is it dying or is it trailing off? Obviously, from where it was from in Chicago, like in two thousand and eight or so, to you know, the, I would say the height was probably around two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, right before COVID, and obviously that shut it down a little bit more faster than it would have anticipated. Um, but I was having a conversation um, with Aaron Pollock the other day, who runs Love Street and Victor Bar. And they're looking to open another cocktail bar mm-hmm. on the north side because we were just we were talking about how there's an, a gap in between like Southport to Lincoln Park, where there's not a lot of cocktail bars. Like, is there room for it? You know, Barrel House Flats was over there for a while, and that closed down. Delilah's isn't a cocktail bar. It's right. a spirits bar. It's mostly just a whiskey bar. Um, so there are places to go, needed to go have good cocktails at the night out, but there's also the, taken to uh, the effect of the cost of cocktails now. I mean, most places are hitting cocktails. I've t- talked to a lot of buyers, like, we're probably going to go up to 17 or $18 in the new year for cocktails. Which for a night out, and you're spending a hundred dollars on pretty much two drinks after you tip in taxes, it's a little wild. Yeah, it, it is insane. I know we were at twelve bucks for your base cocktail at at slightly, and our margins are good there. Yeah, I mean you're in also like one of the most expensive areas of the city too, so to be able to get that, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, we're in West Loop for all the people that don't know. Tell them about it, Matt. We're in West Loop, but we're also east of ninety ninety four. So it's uh, it's a little loopish. We're they call almost this like West Loop Gate. It's the, yeah. the entrance mm-hmm. into the West Loop. And the CH guys explain that to me. They're like, we're West Loop East. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely feels more loop than what we call the West Loop now. But, you know, when I worked in uh, on Randolph Street in what's now called the um, – you know, West Loop, that was just uh, Randolph Row. Like, we didn't yeah. really call that West Loop. Oh, so really? the definition of West Loop has really expanded. And even they added in, you know, Fulton Market. Now Fulton Market is, like, the area north of Lake Street. But, uh, yeah, the um, the uh, realm creep for West Loop is a, is a real thing. And it, the, the Randolph Street Festival isn't called, like, West Loop Fest either. It's just called Taste of Randolph. Good point. Thank you. Good bands. Randolph Rowe? Well, no, on <laughs> at, uh, the Randolph, Taste of Randolph. Oh, okay. Who'd you see there? I saw Minus the Bear there one year. Ah. Yeah. 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 That's about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back saw to- them in Missoula, Montana in 2008. So what I, what my opinion <laughs> is about cocktails is, uh, well, I, I just, maybe it's the grass is green or, an, or nostalgia or something, but I just feel like the, the golden era of like cocktails and like experimentation, especially experimenting with like new products, yeah. hit the height in like 2015 or so, and then started declining in like 2018. 
And now after the pandemic where everyone's looking to really like dial in their costs and um, boil down whatever they do to its essence <laughs> with no like uh, loose ends that might cost them money. I just feel like uh, it's a... Uh, uh, dead. Well, it's hard because I, I think if, you, if you're doing a cocktail bar, what do you have to say? Is your cocktail mm. bar like we, we've got a cool vibe and it's a great place to go on a date? Or sure. do your cocktails do something that's yeah. interesting? Or are you trying to, uh, like, we want to be bitter focused. We want to, like, the New York cocktail scene is really focused on food. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of cocktails that are supposed to taste like, you know, chicken and waffles and uh, other savory, more food focused uh, things. But I don't know that anybody's doing anything that is so exciting in Chicago or, or trying to get outside of the mold. Well, Everyone's well, trying to be an elevated neighborhood bar. Totally. You know? and, sure. and that's cool. That's, but that it, describes it, Midwesterners right there, though. Like Elevated? Chica well, Chicago's like an elevated part of the Midwest, but everybody kind of wants a casual spot to hang out in for the most part. Right. That's and right. good cocktails is the minimum. It's not the destination. Hmm. That's interesting. So you think there has to be some other end to it if it is food or a beer bar, whatever it might be? So, like, one of my favorite, like, that elevated, mm -hmm. bougie dive bar, like, Best Intentions. Yeah. I mean. The best. The best. But I think, like, a lot of bars have opened since then <laughs> trying to replicate that. Where it's, yeah. Totally. Or sportsmen's. Right. Right. Where it's, like, do we do, it. and it's, like, and that, you go back to, um, uh, what was it, uh, Bar de Ville. Mm. Yes, definitely. And so it's like you kind of trace it all the way back there where mm -hmm. it's it's a vibe. It's great cocktails. Yep. Uh, cheap beer. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then the step up from those were like the Betty. Remember the Betty on uh, no. on Fulton Market back in the day? And those places don't really exist anymore. The kind of Violet Hour, mm. not knockoffs, but maybe I do mean that. Violet Hour knockoffs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you do actually mean that. <laughs> Still holding strong, the Violet Hour. Well, so uh, how do... It's cool again, you know? Is it? Yeah. All right. I, uh, um, m my friends, uh, uh, can you edit this part out? I don't want to continue this story. You can just stop. I'm going to stop. All right. Sounds uh, let me tell you, so <laughs> slightly toasted, like for uh, a philosophy when it comes to yeah. cocktails for us is I'm a, I'm a whiskey guy. Mm -hmm. So everything that we do is kind of showcasing the whiskey in some capacity. So we do a lot of barrel-aged cocktails. And we want to use the same exact recipe for every one of them. And so then when we barrel-age a cocktail, we do we have one that's called the Mother's Milk. And it is a Sazerac rye, old-fashioned, aged in an Oloroso sherry butt, like a 60-gallon sherry butt for nine months. And you know we only got that because we bought a Jepson's sherry barrel. I was wondering where you got yeah, that. Yeah. And then we're like, well, let's do something dumb with it. Let's fill it with 60 gallons of old fashioned and hope it doesn't die. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and it's awesome. But it, it's to me, it's it's showcasing the whiskey and mm -hmm. showcasing the barrel. What happens when we do yeah. that? So is that the philosophy in general when it comes to like having slightly toasted like we're going to do elevated whiskey cocktails? Answer my or question first. Do you dilute the old fashioned before you put it in or is it? No, I tried it once. I, I didn't like how it turned out. Okay. Mm. Now answer answer his question maybe, i mean maybe elevate is not the right way but like curious ways of making whiskey cocktails yeah i mean i don't think of myself as like a uh, a person who's trying to reinvent the wheel or, or trying to like come up with some brand new recipe i just want to see what happens like mm. i think revolution is doing that with their uh, their barrel age yeah. program where it's like we want to showcase what happens when it's in a 
Eagle Rare barrel or it's in a Elijah Craig barrel and you can taste the differences with that. And I think that can be shown in cocktails too. Mm. Would you say slightly toasted? Well, actually, we should probably talk about what what is slightly toasted. Explain it to consumers who maybe never been there or want to come here. Yeah, so slightly toasted. If you live under a fucking rock, <laughs> not listen every, up hey, now. You know what? Not everybody it, who listens to the podcast lives in Chicago. Oh well, I, I just then, saw the day that someone from Azerbaijan uh, downloaded our podcast. Mm, they're using a uh, they're using a what do you call VPN? it? VPN. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting that uh, sweet Azerbaijani Netflix. Uh, so slightly toasted uh, on a broth. All right, now listen up. Get the wax out of your goddamn ears and listen to what it is for once in your goddamn life. All right, for somebody from the outside, mm. I would say that we're probably uh, the best modern whiskey bar in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll never have, like, the vintage spirits that uh, a Delilah's has. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will never have Peter Kim, and I love Peter Kim. Uh, his knowledge is fantastic, yeah. and I love to go sit at his bar too. Peter Kim of the Franklin Room. Yep, uh, but I think when it comes to like uh, on a Broadway modern uh, great whiskey, I don't think anybody comes close to what we have. I'd agree. Like when I brought my boss in here a few months ago for the first time, he's like, "It's like where are we going? And we park over here. You know, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon." You walk in, he was just blown away by the back bar. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to tell you, it's probably the best curated whiskey bar yeah. in the city. And we, we work really hard to uh, also get those things, but make them more reasonably priced and make the brands more accessible to people. Yeah. So we try to uh, more humanize uh, high-end, crazy whiskey. Uh, so like we do, we'll do like old-fashioned copper which is you know, like a $10,000 bottle. Not at retail, but you're never gonna pay retail. And we sell that for 150 bucks an ounce, which is ridiculous. So if you, if you know what that is, you're, like, you're used to seeing it for three, $400 an ounce. So for us, our goal is to take these wild things and put it in front of you in a way that you can actually try it and not like kill your bank. Is it the goal just like get, come in the door at least one time and hopefully you'll come back because you enjoyed your experience with all those price points? Yeah, I think the goal, well, the goal too is uh, with some things, like when I get, uh, if I get a Russell's pick, I might hold that back for a little bit until I get a couple different Russell's picks. So then when I put them out there, they're not going to go so fast because mm-hmm. you want to try one or a couple different ones. So it's, uh, I take the philosophy of it being a library mm. and you'd be able to try A, different vintages, B, uh, different things that other people have to say within the whiskey world. Where'd that Did concept? he understand that good enough for you guys, you <laughs> fucking losers who didn't ever heard of Slightly Toasted? I did have a, a recently a rep text me. That's a friend of mine, probably about three months ago. Yeah. And he's like, have you been to Slightly Toasted? I'm like, <laughs> y- yeah. He's like, do you sell Star Wars in there? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, well, I, I think it'd be a really good bar for you guys. I'm like, Thanks. Thank you. Like, where where have you been? <laughs> they're they're in it. our in our business. Or yeah, yeah. And and they thought you'd never heard of slightly toasted before. It was their first time here. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, what a fool. There Will you, you tell me who it is later? I don't think you would know. Um, yeah. One of the things I've seen over the last, like since the pandemic, I've seen, and I think you guys have talked about the the growth in whiskey since the pandemic mm-hmm. and the excitement around it. And we've seen a growth in people seeking us out since the pandemic. Interesting. Uh, both nationally and locally. Like we still get people who are like, I've never seen you guys before. I've never heard of you. But right. I have people who come from, we have a huge following in the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. People who will come seek us out because some of our single barrels got out to uh, 
the groups out there and they, they love them and they yeah. come and they talk about it. Uh, well, you guys were online too during COVID. I mean, you were yeah. still very active in that sense, even though you had, your doors couldn't be open, you're still being a voice online. Well, yeah, we had to do the, we had to pivot like everybody else and try to be creative. So a lot of, I did a lot of digital happy hours where I'd take uh, basically a collection of our single barrels, send them out to people all over the, the country and then do uh, Zoom tastings and just walk them through whiskey. Yeah, you missed that, don't you? I can tell. I mean, <laughs> it, w- it was fun to be doing this, but also being remote. It was. Yeah. There was like some part of it where you knew, like we never have had all three of us, we don't have office jobs, if you will, and you know Matt and I being remote, you used to be doing this too, where you're like, every day is a little bit different. The stability of working from home was kind of nice but yeah. it was also maddening too at the same time oh and i wasn't i wasn't working from home i was out in the streets that's what he always says that's right i forgot you were out in the sharing streets. sharing pens with people you know like pens? shaking hands yeah <laughs> like uh what kind of pens epi like pens ri- yeah, no just to write you oh. know like oh. you know a lot of skin to skin contact mm-hmm. i i kind of you know the you mass, a kissing was, booth set up in uh, <laughs> geneva at one point i believe i had the kissing booth that didn't do well at <laughs> As well as the camming, but that I did. It was from more home, of the the talent than it was the actual pandemic part of it. The, the my, my kissing <laughs> talents. Oh no, the, you're we're getting the timelines confused, but because the the kissing booth was in 2010. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. You're yeah. welcome. Um, yeah, that's interesting though. Do you think the bar expanded in popularity than over COVID? Or I guess what you guys do in a way. Yeah, I think. I think because we reached out, like the the digital tastings that we did were were, were national. Like we were all over the country, um, and I think some of the some of our bottles have kind of reached a, a fever pitch on the secondary. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just stretching weirdly. <laughs> okay. I thought you. John were. thought I was raising my so hand I, for I a comment. Out of my periphery, I thought yeah. you were also no, raising I'll, your hand. No, w- when I have more stuff to say, I'll just say I'll just kind of say it. Thanks. That's so true, your, that's, that's proven. Your single <laughs> barrels would hit the um, the secondary market. That's very interesting. Was that was that vindicating for you? How, was that a, a pat on the back? How, how did you take that? Well, I think we all we all try to we all seek validation in some way. And yeah. Being in our four walls, I'm just like, hey, I can I can yell at everybody all day, like, hey, we have a really great whiskey collection, mm-hmm. come check it out. But uh, as people have grown to like our palates and what we do, yeah, uh, it's helped us to uh, build a following and get people to to get on board with what we what we do and believe in what we believe. That's mystique for sure. How yeah. did how did you guys get the idea to build this as a library? Then when you first opened the stores, I mean. Well, right now I would never do it again. That's one thing. Interesting. I was wondering about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I would yeah. never do it again. Uh, and when we first opened, you know, we had a maybe like a fifth of the amount of whiskey, but it's like none of it is the stuff that people really want. Everybody wants to see. They want to see the pappy and they want to see yeah. the antique collection, the, the limited editions. And you can't get that when you first open a whiskey that bar. That was 2016. Uh, we we took over the space in 2016. Opened in January 2017. Okay. Huh. So what were you serving? Or what was in the back bar, I guess? I a mean, lot of the craft brands? A lot of craft. Uh, I mean, you had, we had a lot of the major houses with their different variations. Oh. But, uh, like some Jim Beam orange? Oh, no. We, we definitely had <laughs> Jim Beam Masters. Uh, yeah. I forget which brand. Which one. It was like their sherry finished. Oh. Yeah, it was oh. good. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, what, how did it, okay, so how did it start with 
just opening the bar in general in 2017 for you guys? So when we first opened up, and the, the area that we're at, the, the West Loop Gate, uh, it's very office-centric. Yes. And so the reason we're able to do what we do is because uh, we cater to that high-end happy hour crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they love, uh, it's very, very office-centric. They love um, J- Jim and Pam around here. <laughs> will, will they, won't they? And then they, and then they get married, and uh, there's like nine more seasons after that. And Sat- then Matt comes in with his, uh, yeah. his big old thing of chili and just knocks it over everywhere. Ooh. Yeah, the, it's my family. It's my family recipe chili, and I spill it on the floor. Mm. And it's funny because I'm overweight. No, you aren't. Looking great. <laughs> Looking great. My only visual aid or reference for how to like go to the hospital when your wife um, her water bursts is the Pam and Jim episode when they have their kid. That was. Uh, that was how I learned uh, where babies come from in, in the first place. That's how I met your mother, actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, so I think one thing to kind of tie it back to cocktails. Don't I think anyway me, you some bitch. <laughs> okay. Oh, John's, John's raising his hand. <laughs> I think to tie it into to cocktails, yep. now it's like you, you can't open a whiskey bar with your only focus being whiskey. Sure. Like the whiskey has to be the, the feather in the cap that you've earned because of everything else. Like you, you can't have a whiskey bar without the volume to get all those things, the relationships to get those things, the knowledge base to get those things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I were trying to open a whiskey bar now, I, I wouldn't, it doesn't make any sense. It'd be like opening, to me, it'd be like opening a cocktail bar now. Mm. Like, how are you gonna have something to say? So be, you think it'd be opening a, a cocktail bar with a good whiskey selection, essentially. That's all you can yeah, do. Yeah, you have to be something and a whiskey bar. Mm. Because if you go to a distributor and say, hey, I only want your limited editions. I want the things that are going to make people come here for that whiskey. Like, you just, you're not going to get it. There's no way to do it. Absolutely. Can you explain that relationship you have to build with distributors to get those, a- those allocations or those sought-after whiskeys? So, and I'm, I'm, you guys know this way more than I do, mm-hmm. but... You, but we like it from your point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We don't have anything allocated, do we? Uh, no, not really. No, okay. Uh, so, like, from my perspective, it's like if I want, say, the easiest thing to say is like Pappy. Yeah. If you want Pappy, that means you have to purchase everything Sazerac related to get to that point. Yep. And you need to have, uh, you need to get everything that they have, and you need to do volume with all the things that they have. Mm. And if you want to be a whiskey bar, not everybody's going to come in and drink Pappy, but they see Pappy and they go, this place is legit. Sure. It's kind of the, uh, it's the feather in the cap that makes people say, okay, I can trust this place Mm -hmm. for what it, like if that's earned or not. Um, And then everybody, and so I think with the success of that, every single brand needs and has a limited edition that you need to do volume with to get their limited edition. Yeah. And some of them try to, uh, you know, swing a, swing a big dick and be like, oh, if you're going to get bookers, you need to buy this. And it's like, well, some of those things, bookers, sure, but like Yellowstone limited edition, I, I'm not going to do a ton of volume of Yellowstone just to get that limited edition because right. there's just not enough pull through or desire for that bottle. Yeah, even though it's good whiskey, it just, yeah. yeah. Have, you, um, ha- have you found flexibility in negotiating that kind of stuff with uh, brand suppliers versus the distributors? So, and I would say like Beam Centauri is actually really good about being like, hey, we understand 
you guys are to them a, a prestige whiskey bar yeah. and it is important for us to be here and we will make sure you get those things. They've been really good. Uh, Sazerac is very black and white. Mm. Um, I think Brown Foreman is kind of reshuffling how they do some of their their things. And some of it's great. Other things are like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody, as they're trying to grow up and figure out how they want to leverage their brands to get you bottles, they're coming up with different hoops and different games that you have to play. Mm. It's the same way, reason why, you know, uh, Everybody's got their games. You want to go buy a Buffalo Trace private barrel? Great. You got to buy a bottle of Wheatley or you got mm-hmm. to buy a bottle of Fireball. It's like we don't want to make people do that stuff, but that's the, how the game has to be played because that's how it's being forced down. And the, the, the trickle down effect of that is that it has to go to the customers too. Right. Yeah. I don't think consumers always realize that how it's forced down from so many different levels and then it gets to you. And then it's also with that brand rep as well. They have, they have no control over it whatsoever. Right. And, obviously like your brand reps want to sell you the best whiskey because you're probably a really good account for them based on your back bar and want to give you the best things possible, but they might not be actually able to, I hear about it from bar owners all the time. It's like over the last four years, especially because of COVID the retailers became more of a key responsibility for holding those allocated items on their shelves versus the back bars in the city. And I, I think that we're kind of at a, a bubble moment where I think it's going to shift back over the next couple of years. Mm. And I think it'll be harder for those brands to hold the same kind of leverage over people as more of this whiskey comes into market because we're, what, like 15 years into this boom? Sure, yeah. And so with that 15 years, you're seeing certain brands, all, you're seeing certain brands like Jack Daniels. Now they're putting out 12-year. They have a, six, a 14 and a 16-year coming out at some point. Russell's is putting out a 15-year. And like I'm all like super excited about that stuff. Uh, but all this older mature whiskey is gonna become available and they're gonna have a choice to like either hold it back and just hope somebody buys all the other stuff to get to it or they're gonna have to start putting out more of it. And I think for a lot of those brands, they wanna see those things on the shelf because the velocity is important too. Yeah. Because they're looking at, they want market share. They don't really, it's all, when you have so much sales and everything and money coming in and profits you're not interested in just more you want a percentage of the pie yeah you and I, I think some of the smaller brands over the as a lot of that older whiskey comes into market a lot of the smaller brands are not going to be well equipped to to deal with that mm-hmm. if you if you can see weller 12 year on the shelf which i think is coming yeah if you can see weller 12 year on the shelf for 40 bucks like what are you supposed to do with your three-year-old product right and i already know that one of the giant retailers in the city is now telling their store managers put everything out on the shelves don't hide it back anymore in, in the in the soccer rooms don't wait for people to come in and ask for it put it on the shelves we're seeing it now with uh with heaven hill it's yep. seven years out there now everywhere you totally. go in stacks um i was just at a retailer and they had mckenna 10 bookers and something else all sitting next to each other about six six deep of each bottle yeah you're like I haven't, I haven't seen that in years probably since before covid where you're actually finding those bottles out in the shelf so i think it's Definitely, um, as more toys are introduced into the sandbox, if you will, there's going to be more availability for those first allocated items to come into play. But do you think that will give space for bars to have some of those items that were allocated for the last five, six years to be on their back shelf or more viable to give to customers? Or do you think it'll, it will just all, all kind of go to the retail space? I think there, there's there been, like, so during the pandemic, yeah. it almost entirely shifted to uh, liquor stores sure um i know we, we were still and buying. groceries too grocery stores really came in big 
Oh yeah, for movement for moving towards the I mean, allocated stuff. Jewel Osco's got their whole whiskey program now. Yeah, exactly, they sure do. Yep. High V's, Myers, some big chains. Yeah, Schnooks, a Schnooker hey, too. Schnooks got their own private brand. Yep, they, they sure do. do. They've yeah, had yeah. that for years. It's good. It is yeah. pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Who, uh, Eric had a bottle of that Resin Treader. Yeah, uh, Longman has had it for a while too. That's right. I have two. Or not. I have two I'm different sorry. labels of it no, downstairs. Not Longman, Bangers and Lace. Yes. Um, Brad Bolt introduced it to me at Neon Wilderness back in the day. Huh. Hell yeah. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Any other riveting questions you have to ask, Matt? Yeah. So um, can you tell us? So you were a, a supplier rep for a while. Yeah. Has being a supplier rep. Uh, changed your expectations for how has that impacted the expectations you have on the reps who call upon you? Oh man, I'll tell you, it is, it's something that I, I have to work at to not be an asshole. Uh, it's a goal, but it's not always easy. Sure. <laughs> so, so a little bit of background about my role currently. Uh, I wear oh, way too many hats. Out. Ah. Yeah. I wear, I wear way too many hats. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the, it looks ridiculous right now. Yeah. You should take at least four of them off. No, I earned them. <laughs> I'm going to wear them. Uh, so I'm the, the buyer for uh, uh, seven locations. Hmm. Uh, and then I'm the general manager for the three locations in this building. So at 540 West Madison, we have Slightly Toasted, Asadito, and Lost Bowls, which is a, a Chinese quick casual. Uh, but we're also in the Lyric Opera House. We have a restaurant uh, that works as a catering operation through Slightly. A restaurant in Lyric Opera House. I was expecting a better pitch, especially in the <laughs> acoustics in this room. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Yeah, you do all those things. Yeah, uh, and then I'm, I'm also, you know, behind the bar two, three days a week. Sure. Um, it's, uh, so it's, it's, it is a lot. So then uh, juggling reps, so through one of our distributors, Southern. So there's still two big houses, Southern and Breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Southern, now each of those major brands through Southern have their own rep. Mm-hmm. And who's a Southern employee? That's who's a Southern not employee? Not a supplier. Correct. Rep. Yeah. So through them, I might have six different reps. <laughs> now I have seven locations, mm-hmm. and they don't all carry, carry over. Yeah. So through Southern, I have almost thirty reps. Amazing. And they've gotten better at it. And like I, I call, I have two or three people that I really lean on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then other guys, like they'll realize I'm in their account and then they try to show up and they want FaceTime and they want meetings. And I'm just, I just don't have the bandwidth to meet. This everybody. is directly, this is, this part of the podcast is directly towards Southern Glacier Wine and Spirits. <laughs> They're actually sponsoring this segment. <clears throat> Great. This is a SGWS uh, slash Blue Chew. Yeah, <laughs> advertisement <laughs> or the you, opposite of Blue Chew, I guess. Do you want a, a Byzantine way of buying liquor? Why not to buy from I believe Southern it's Glacier? Okay, so <laughs> what I want—I'm going to say this directly to Southern right now. Oh, wow. Here we go. <laughs> ain't, ain't you got a fucking key account rep you can assign John and have one person talk to him? For the love of God, what is happening? Well, that's here? interesting because the brands are now hiring key accounts. Mm-hmm. reps for that position. Wow. But then you have to go, that person has to go through their rep at Southern who then has to go through their portfolio manager. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I might Amazing have, stuff. I might have a Southern uh, Beam Centauri rep, but mm-hmm. then I also have a Beam Centauri rep. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And uh, then you have a maker's rep. Yeah. Right. So like, so for me, like I was talking about this with Matt, where it's like if I was in my position with Bar Hill and I was trying to get a meeting with me, I don't know how I would do it. Interesting. That's it's hard. That yeah, is, like, yeah. If, I, if you were just trying to come in off the street to, like, set up a time to meet with me, that's tough. I wouldn't really know what to tell you. I just show up randomly and have a drink and hope you're here. Yeah, and I think <laughs> But I think you also honestly, have a prior relationship with him, too. No, I don't think know? so. Oh, no? I think... No, I'm, I was just projecting myself on, upon you, I think. I'm sure we've known each other for quite a while, but... Yeah, but I think uh, how I, I grew to know you is, like, I think you did it probably... The, the rightest way you can do it. And you just came in and uh, ordered it, and it was like, well, that guy's ordering Star Wars. I mean, that's... Must be working for him. He must be working <laughs> for him, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, well, it's such a... It, with niche brands like my own, even yeah. in Dancing Goat, obviously that person who's ordering it's either probably a friend of the distillery or a very, 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 very few loyal, fr- loyal brand uh, people, and then also someone who's probably employed by that distillery. Right. Yeah. Or it ended up on some list that I wasn't aware of. For Ooh. sure. We're on lots of lists. It was on a, it was in a, some TikToker's 10-second uh, ten, ten video. Well, I, I know Fred Minnick's Top 100 dropped today. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. I've already gotten like seven different messages from suppliers being like, hey, we're on this list. Cool, cool man. Yeah, <laughs> right. Got to... Gotta get the word um, out on my on my list presence. I don't follow him on anything, um, but someone in a group text thread of industry people posted a picture of a screenshot out of his post of Little Books edition this year. Yeah, po- saying, "Oh, this is really great. I hope it makes it in the top 100 of my top 100 blind tastings or whatever." And it's like. I think it will. I think. I, th- I think it just <laughs> like, might. You might know someone. Yeah, yeah. You're like what? Like, you're just promoting your own list, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, hoping it all comes out that way. In some cavalier approach, I guess. But uh, um, one thing yeah. we haven't talked about that I do want to talk Please. about is so we do a lot of events at Slightly yeah. Toasted, and uh, we were lucky enough to have our resident uh, Eagle Rare expert present. Oh yes, I saw this. So we did. We had an Eagle Rare private barrel, and. Uh, because we want to drink it with friends, we decided to do an event with it. If you, you came, you got a bottle of Eagle Rare, and then we all drank it together. Uh, and Sazerac doesn't have a lot of boots on the ground when it comes to people who can talk about their whiskey. So strange, huh? It's so weird. Do you find that weird? Like, honestly? Yeah. Well, it also shows you what their focus is from they, a sales perspective. Uh, they, like, they approached me a couple of years ago, yeah. and I was like... I think what I do for my brand, I would never be able to do for you. No, you would have hated it. Yeah, no, I know I would have. And then they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I do creative work. My job is education first before it is yeah. sales. And I don't really want to put out fires and sell fireball. Yeah. So like, they're like, oh, gotcha. Yep. We're like, but I think if you had reps, even though it's a giant, massive brand or portfolio that everybody wants, I think there's still an educational piece that's missing about why is this special whiskey? Absolutely. Uh, so that's why you bring in your resident Eagle Rare rep. That's why I got him. So uh, he might be able to give you a little history behind Eagle Rare that you don't even know. Sure. So Matt, I think Matt Brown, resident Eagle Rare rep of Chicago, Illinois, and he also smiles at dancing goats. So I th- during during my what I was trying to think of some in how I could make up a whole spiel about uh, – Eagle Rare, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start with James Crow, (laughs) that Scottish distiller, and I'll talk about how he he came up with a whiskey called uh, um, Common Birds, 
that got ripped off by Sazerac and called the Eagle Rare and torpedoed <laughs> common bird so is any of this true? No, of okay. course not. Okay. So <laughs> James Crow instead started Old Crow as to, you know, get some of that shine back and as far as bird slash I don't think the, the crowd was loving it. Okay. okay. I, I can't believe that's true. I don't Is know. Is this before, I was after, or during you were standing on the bar? That, I was standing on the bar. John approached me before we started I gave him this. like a five-minute heads up. I'm like, hey, we're going to get on the bar. And do you know anything about Ego Rare? And he goes, not really. I'm like, can you tell me about the history about it? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. Just tell me about the history. He goes, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can um, talk and make stuff up for, for anyone, no, no matter when. Well, is that how it's, I mean, does that depict, though, so perfectly so? Yeah. Of how ridiculous this it's, whole craze of whiskey has it, gotten? No one yeah. cares. Well, like, I think, uh, yeah. yeah no, no one, one ca- knows and no one cares. No one knows and no one cares. And I think that's how, if I were Sazerac, I would like that mm. i i don't think i would like a whole bunch of brand so i'm wrong educate i don't know i don't i'm just saying no, I, I don't know. i don't know if well, I, I, I would I want a lot of brand education because then people would be like finally understanding well there's i guess there's not really that much difference between these brands except the bottle that they're when in. you when you go to the distillery or you talk to people who work directly for the distillery there is so much love sure. and passion and they, they care yeah. and i would say they don't withhold information if you're talking to them directly no but the uh, the people they have in place locally, I think care. I just don't think that they're allowed to focus on those things. They're not allowed to focus on the whiskey because it just they're number oriented, right? And they're gonna sell Buffalo Trace. They're gone. Like it's not like they're having an issue selling Blantons or Stag Junior, which I, I have a philosophy that I want to bring to everybody please, here in a minute. Please, please. Um, I forget where I was going on my own rant here. Um, Reps not having time to spend on education, hitting numbers. Yeah. Well, well, we'll come back to that. I completely, I've lost my place. But your philosophy? My new philosophy is we should stop buying Blantons. Okay. Okay. I'm in. I'm okay. in. So, I, and I, n- I, not everybody who's listening, I think, stop <laughs> buying Blantons. Never bought a bottle in my life. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, because here's the thing. I think it's fine. Yeah. But as like a pour, like, I have access to a lot of whiskey, and it's never the bottle that I'm reaching for. Like, I think sure. there's no, like, even Blanton single barrels, they're fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all single barrels, but like a pick, it's fine. Yes. Um, but if you stop asking for it, it'll end up on the shelf, and the the girlfriend who's trying to do a good deed can find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The the person who is working the place doesn't have to get pissed off every time somebody walks in asking for it. The patience of all those people in the whiskey aisles. God do, bless do you. Do people still ask for it every day? I'm in a whiskey store. Yeah. Or wow. in a liquor store. In- Incredible. Is it? It's a there new person, too. There are people who will too. come to Slightly Toasted, yeah. see that we have over 700 bottles of whiskey, see blends, and go, whoa, you got blends. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's just the marketing around it because of the bottle top and the shape of the bottle and everything? Because, I mean, Zach's experience at a wedding last summer, um, our friends, parents had, like, the whole – a lot of people um, open bar for the entire night, night yeah. before the wedding – and like, yeah, drink whatever you want. And of course, one asshole's like, oh, well, let's get Blanton's out, which, you know, is probably going to cost them at a hotel bar 30 some dollars a pour. Right. And the bottle was gone like that. Totally. Um, out of all, everything there, like yep. great mess call selection. Okay. Bourbon selection, you know, just cocktails, wine. Everyone was being pretty so is fair. It, is it, sudden, but is I think it, it's a boom. great, it's a great intro whiskey. Like if you're getting into like 
if mm. you're first starting the the, the the game, right? You're you're starting to chase sure. whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Blanton's is where you're going. That's it. Because so there's it, hype around it. Yeah. You you see everybody else asking for it. Right. You mm. see Ben Affleck drinking it in a movie. Oh, yeah. where, 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 where? Gone Girl. Oh, so right. my question would be, um, I I've, I watched it recently. Pretty good. Pretty good <laughs> it's movie. Pretty good. So my question Tyler is, Tyler Perry, best yeah. supporting actor. He's re- he's really good in that movie. He supported the hell out of that. Yeah. Casey, Casey Wilson as the quote unquote dumb friend of. Uh, oh yeah. In the beginning, the neighbor of. Um, yeah, she's good. Gone Girl. It's also a good thing to threaten someone with. I'm gonna Gone Girl you so good. <laughs> Everyone's gonna think you murdered me. Anyways, so so my question is this on the Blands: Do people who just are not drinkers get it in their head that Bland is good, and it's just th- something that they can't shake? Or is it really people newly finding out about Blanton's like almost every day? So mm. this, I'm going to go right back to my philosophy. Stop buying Blanton's. Yes. Because the, other, because the people who are buying it aren't drinking it. No. The people who buy it, they buy it because they know other people want it. Mm-hmm. And they can sell it for 20 bucks more than they paid for it. Yep. And it's... Wow. And so I know, we, seriously. $20 so if, well, well earned. Right. So if you stop buying Blanton's, the, the price reaches more of a the price that it should be. Right. We stop using it as like a, a, a trade bait. There's plenty of other things that you should buy. Like you know what I'm saying, I'm not so against buying things on secondary market because like there are bottles that I'll never get in Chicago mm-hmm. that I absolutely want to try and want to drink. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great resource for those things. Okay. Um, but yeah, stop buying, stop buying Blanton's. If anyone it's a t-shirt. Would, yeah. uh, I mean, except for me. I will sell anyone a bottle of Blanton's out there. I got a couple. So <laughs> come, come buy mine. Okay. I also have uh, some uh, very collectible skateboards. Mm. If I can, uh, I can sell those to you at secondary prices. That'd how be great. Many, how many Blantons for one? Uh, for a skateboard, <laughs> depends on you know. I'll I'll accept four Blantons for a for the Tony Hawk uh, Grimple Sticks go uh, skate uh, skate shop day collaboration. <laughs> What year is that? 2023. Oh. Cool. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming, guys. I, I really appreciate your, it. I'm going to steal your knockoff High Life jacket. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. FASkates.com for a lovely uh, windbreaker with a uh, Miller High Life theme to it. So is Blanton's the most sought-after whiskey on your back bar? No. Okay. But, like... Uh, or is it most called... No, I wouldn't even see that. But it, I mean, it's definitely called. I think we go through more Eagle Rare in general Makes than sense. we do Blanton's. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, is, is it people trying it for the first time? Is it people because they think they should be drinking it or they're drinking it? I think it's the it's American Johnny Walker Black, mm. where it's like people think, oh, like when you fr- when I think when I first got into whiskey, I was drinking Johnny Walker Black. Yeah. And I don't think even because I liked it, because I thought of that as being a good elevated whiskey sure I that can find anywhere yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i think blanton's is for the person who doesn't want to spend the time that you and i spend on mm-hmm. whiskey and wants to feel like they're drinking something nice and elevated blanton's is where they like to go makes sense i want to get back to uh this whole discussion of not opening a whiskey bar now yeah. <laughs> so how do you continue to do what you do uh I think we've been rolling this snowman for so long oh. that uh, we've got enough padding, enough snow to like do something impressive. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you got the carrot and a couple of 
chunks yeah. of coal for the eyes. Yep. Yeah, I get the metaphor. Yeah. I'm a guy who gets metaphors. And you have a lot of hats, so he has a hat <laughs> to put on so top of it. So many hats. <laughs> so I would have put, so John, yeah. in, the, in the structure of the hats, uh-huh. I would have put the, you put the top hat in the middle. Yeah. Which seems like it would be hard to balance the like hats you got on top. I would put the top hat. It's not where top. I want your eyes. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, what were you saying, Jake? <laughs> I was just listening to time, your time, hat discussion. Time for another ad. Yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> Blue, that's Blue Apron. Uh, get get um twenty twenty percent of your meals for free for the next month by using promo code official map round fan club at checkout. Is there any particular? Uh, job that you have that you enjoy the most? Is it being behind the bar talking to people? I do really like that. And I know, like, uh, it's if I'm not behind the bar, it's hard because there's so many people who come to the bar, they want to talk whiskey, yeah. and they want to be, uh, they want to talk to someone who's as excited about whiskey as they are. And uh, it's oftentimes that's me, that's uh, my business partner, Tyler. Yeah. Um, We've got a, a young kid, Ace, uh, who's like really growing, and he, his palate has come a long way, and he's cool. excited about whiskey. And it's like, you know, if you could get somebody to be excited about something, that's a big deal. But people want to come in, and they want to talk whiskey, and they want to be able to nerd out. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to find people these days that are going to be able to, like, train themselves, train their palate to have those conversations, to be take the patience to learn how to be that, that kind of bartender? I mean, I don't even know... It's 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 hard to even hire for that. Yeah. I have to. I just I try to find people who have some whiskey background, or have shown some uh, interest in it, because I can't force someone to be interested in it. Sure. Interesting. Is that is that an effect of COVID, or has that even happened to me before then? Because we saw so many people leave the industry. Yeah. Saw so many new people come into the industry because like there's no other jobs to be had. Uh. Yeah, I think that that's always been the case. And I think as we've grown and our desires to grow as a whiskey bar continue, like finding those people are more important. Mm. Um, also, like one thing that I've always respected about this place is that you take into account these small brands. Like you have the small guys on your back bar and give yeah. them the time of day. I mean, I think one of the first people to tell me about this bar was Joe Henry. I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like wanting to have those conversations with founders, with people who are making the whiskey, people who are selling the whiskey. How did that come into play here? I, I think part of it is it's de- trying to demystify it. Um, you know, like who is Ezra Brooks? Who is, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. who, like who are these brands? And I think that one of the reasons why we've always been such a big fan of Jay Henry is because we know Joe. Right. And been friends with Joe for so long. And what an asshole. I like him. He's tall and handsome. <laughs> Uh, and you know he, that that guy is always, uh, no matter if his whiskey was really available in market or not, he's always been himself available. Mm-hmm. So we do an advent calendar every year, and that's right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're on day four. There you go. Wow. Are they all uh, sold out? Oh yeah, they sold oh, out quick. Good. Yeah. Uh, but the first year we did it. it Buy one like, next year, losers. <laughs> Have yourself a slightly toasted advent. That was better than the last one. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but we had Joe do intro videos for a lot of the whiskeys. Oh, cool. So we, we, fe- we featured, like, we had a J. Henry private pick, and oh. we also had the limited edition from that year. And, you know, and it's it's so cool to, like, be able to take someone like Joe and have them do an intro video to it and get people to 
put some legitimacy behind what we're doing mm-hmm. and what they're drinking. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a place for small brands to survive all this? I mean, because eventually this whiskey phase, this whiskey craze is going to, I don't want to say the, the bubble's going to burst, but it's going to come to a, not a screeching halt, but it's definitely going to slow down. Well, I think it, or maybe it, it has. It, 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 it's, it is slowing down, but I also think uh, you have to figure out what do you have to say? Hmm. If you're another brand that's like, well, we do finished whiskeys. It's like, okay, cool. You know, it's like, there's a lot of those. Yeah, why do you do finished whiskeys? Yeah, what do you have to say that's different? Hmm. And Is I think Jay Henry's set up pretty well because of their story. And right now there's still more, I think, demand than they have whiskey. Y- yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was just, I, we just had Liz on a couple of weeks ago, Joe's mom. I mean, I was, we were talking about how the last time I was up at the farm, there was literally like 40 cases of whiskey sitting in a corner on a pallet. And like, that's all we have left. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. That's wild. Now they're releasing more whiskey. Just released their rye whiskey. and Which is great, by the y- way. Yeah, I haven't tried the finished product. I tried it at about four years, I want to say. It's, it's five years, right? Yeah, it's five years. Yeah, I think I tried it a year ago. Um, Joe shared some with me. I'm like, oh, this is like, this could be on the shelf now, but yeah. their no, philosophy is five years. I was really pleasantly surprised. Is there other brands like that that are, that are coming up or making headway that you're really interested about or excited about? There... So I think of a lot of brands as being what, what's the next generation of okay. really cool whiskey. Um, and I think still Austin is yeah. really high on that list for me. Same. Um, I think Journeyman is on that yeah. list. Definitely. Uh, and, and I think, so to me, the one, they're, they're making their own juice. Uh, but still Austin, I think, is probably the them. And I hate to say Devil's River, but I think it's also pretty good they are making really good whiskey out of Texas mm-hmm. and it isn't dependent on it tasting some in some way mesquite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And th- their stuff is really great. Uh, Journeyman, Journeyman is very good terroir driven. And I think that, you know, we, we shy away from saying terroir in whiskey, but I think as we start to see more grain to uh, glass bottles that are driven by the, the area, like, J. Henry. It's obviously coming from his farm. And if you can't talk about terroir with the grains coming from that farm and aging on that farm, then what are we doing? Do you, is it a point of reference or I guess a point of concern and intent to get customers to know that information that are ordering Eagle Rare, that are or, ordering Blanton's? Like there is these other options over here. Yeah. I, I don't see. I think it's like you tell me what you're drinking and I'll tell you where you are in your journey. Hmm. And so when someone's coming in drinking Blanton's, like that's where they are at their journey. Like they are somewhat new, but they have a, a, an interest and a desire to maybe get in deeper on it. Uh, if they're coming in and they're ordering, uh, you know, Stag Junior, it's like, okay, you're somewhere else. You're, you're still within the same family, but you're, you're somewhere else in your journey. Mm-hmm. If you're ordering a Russell single barrel, I'm like, you're, you're somewhere else completely. Yeah. Uh, so you can... So I think we, and we've all gone through those, that same journey ourselves. Uh, and uh, I think it's interesting. So when, when I come in and I sit at the bar with someone and they tell me what they're ordering, I can lean them and take them somewhere else. Mm. But it's almost about where they're ready to go. Hmm. That's a really interesting role to play. I, never th- I haven't necessarily thought about it that way, about someone that comes in and asks you, oh, what do you recommend? Starting at that point of reference is a really interesting way of uh, beginning it. Huh. I like that a lot. And I, and I think we, we are, I think where these places will survive is as we compartmentalize more and more. Yeah. You got to figure out where you're compartmentalized. So do you think that 
a lot of drinkers will stay in the same route, the same pocket. Like, are you going to expand from rye to bourbon or bourbon to rye, then into single malts and the scotch into world whiskey? Or do you think a lot of people are just kind of stay in the, the American whiskey craze that they're in? I, I think there's multiple dump off paths. Um, but like the natural path is you get into Blanton's, then you start getting into more higher proof things and you start getting into single barrels and yeah. cash strength offerings and then you get into like the limited editions because at this point you've been in the game long enough where now you've got your relationship with the guy at Binney's and he <laughs> throws you an Elmer every so often and now you can potentially get a Pappy or you can get a, um, a Four Roses limited edition. So if someone comes in and orders a whiskey, what gets you excited about what they order? Like what would you order, for example, that when someone said, I wanted to try, I don't know, just for like Westland. Yeah. Would that be like something that would per, like pique your interest or something? How do we oh. impress you? How do we make you think we're cool? No, I think it's just interesting to like start reading customers in that sense of like where they are their journey based on that order. Yeah. So if somebody comes in and they order Westland, I'm going like, oh, yeah, this guy, he he's made some left turns at some point sure. on his journey because he was more interested in uh, either their story or their background or the fact that it's an American single malt. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they were more of a scotch drinker, and that's how they got there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. How did you guys get into the whole single barrel craze? Because you have a lot of them. You have a lot of good ones. Yeah. And not a lot of on-premise places are sharing single barrels. Well said, Matthew. Thank you. I've been working on my SEDs. Uh, I I think we I, I, I well maybe I'm just selfish and I want to do cool shit <laughs> and I want that's the pull quote <laughs> that's good that's it there you go uh, I want to do things that I'm excited about and that I'm proud of and uh, as we it I at the end of the day we're all storytellers mm-hmm. and if an I if I can do something and show you something that I'm proud of that story is something that you can glob onto and take that somewhere else what was the first single barrel? Uh, I think it was a Russell's. Oh. Yeah. Nice. How many have you done since then? Four. Russell picks? Yeah. How many total single barrels do you know? Uh, I mean, we're, we're nowhere Roughly? near. Yeah, I would say we're probably like 60 or 70. Oh, okay. I thought it was even more than that. No, no. Okay. Huh. And we're, we, we've kind of ebbed and flowed in terms of how many single barrels we've done because you can sell the bottles too right we can yeah. yeah um but you know there are certain ones that like the, there's velocity that it's an easy sell like if i put on the eagle rare pick it's it's gone instantly yeah um if i do uh a i have a really great copper craft i have to show it for you oh uh but not for you though fine i'll <laughs> turn around while yeah. you guys drink that uh, stare it's, at the wall it's absolutely great but it's gonna be more of a hand sell and we know like the velocity on that won't be the same it's the third time this week that copper and craft has come up to me i don't i've never had anything of them i so they are michigan out of michigan yes yeah, yeah. so copper crafter from holland to michigan oh yeah they're they're part of the magnus family okay that's right and uh i think another student of nancy fraley mm branching out doing it on his own in terms of flavor profile okay uh and the Coppercraft barrels i think are popular for a lot of the reasons why like blum brothers because it's older mgp interesting interesting or maybe not that interesting you're looking at me oh john uh 
and Jake looked at me right as I started yawning. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it is interesting how timing. some brands uh, become um, known and loved and respected for their MGP takes, and others become <laughs> my, kind my, of reviled for like, oh, it's just another four-year-old MGP single uh, barrel. One of my favorite Matt Brown stories was oh. him talking oh. about the journey of working at Blum Brothers yeah. it was when I first got into it, everybody goes, uh, oh, you guys are a small distiller. Do you make your own whiskey? No, it's sourced. And they're like, get out of here. <laughs> totally. And then like two years later, he goes, hey, we've got our own whiskey now. It's great. Well, don't you have any more of that sourced whiskey? He goes, no, that get out of here. It was, it was truly like a switch. It is the pendulum. Off. Yeah. It, it, it happens yeah. so fast. Um, and uh, yeah, people. When I first started with Blum Brothers, we were one of the first brands that I ever heard of, and that I knew about at the time who was vi- who said that it was sourced like prominently on the front of the label. Sure. And uh, people, I was educating buyers, yep. <clears throat> retailers, and restaurant buyers on what that meant, and they were like, "What do you mean you don't buy or, or make your own whiskey?" And I would point to their shelves and be like, "That's MGP. That's MGP. That's MGP." And rather than being met with, uh, like, um, not appreciation, you don't have to, like, appreciate me, like... No applause. Educate you or whatever. But I was met with, like, um, people would get mad at me. They would feel (laughs) like they were, like, were swindled. They were like, that's all the same. And I I would say, well, no, that's the point. Right. They're all different. They're, you know, uh, the same distillate but you could have two barrels of whiskey sitting right next to each other in a warehouse distilled at the same time came off at the same time and put into two different barrels that have the same construction and they could taste totally different in eight years and people would be like "Mm, i don't this is making me feel uncomfortable (laughs) because it's such a different way of like it's such a different kind of product than like buying a bicycle, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, people did not like me telling them that. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's how that pendulum does swing because we had a brand on our show last year that that last year, two years ago, that got created some controversy for their MGP purchases that were MGP whiskey that was contracted in Kentucky. So they could have so MGP could have Kentucky whiskey, and people thought they were swindled because they weren't told it was made in Kentucky. It's like, well, what do you think Kentucky straight bourbon comes from? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and these, all these groups got mad about the single barrels they bought from this brand, and um, still hear about it today. Bizarre. I might have heard about it at one of your uh, former employers' uh, tasting room recently. I only have one former employer with a tasting room, so that uh, <laughs> narrows it down considerably. At least it wasn't them. Little just, goat. Just, just in their business. Ah, got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, was not the was not the Blum Brothers. Nothing to do with them. Just having okay, the conversation no, 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 took I place there. Yeah, it t- the conversation took place there. Yes. Blum Brothers opening a bar in downtown Galena. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's very cool. Mike took me on a tour of that. Which, uh, um, where is that at in month. downtown? Towards like the north end, south end, middle uh, end? Just like in the middle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, pretty close to the DeSoto Hotel. Oh, if yeah. To those uh, familiar with uh, the region. I believe that's very close to the VFW. Sure. Yes. Should be. Um, Two dollar <laughs> bush lights all day, every day. You know it. <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> yes. Very, very, very well. Um, yeah. Well, we're, uh, what were we talking about? I mean, lost track, Matt. Oh, we're you were gonna um, say thanks for listening. Oh, are you already uh, done? You're gonna t- 
We are an hour plus in somehow. It's very fast. Oh, you're gonna throw to me for uh, for a commercial? Actually, no. I did. Have, we had a we had a topic of conversation that we were gonna bring up about reps. And since we've all been a rep before, um, I think I covered it. I asked a question, didn't I? <laughs> no, it was off the mic. It was off air. What did what were we talking about? I'll just ask the question. Oh uh, yeah, we were wondering I if all of that out the please. value of brand reps was going to be. <laughs> now I remember. There's so many of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our, uh, go ahead. Okay, there's so many of us. We're playing from the same playbook. Right. We have all the same tactics and stuff, pretty much, except for different products. You get naked more than others. I get naked way more than other brand reps. Uh, is there is there a point where we just uh, our uh, effectiveness is already kind of a vague thing? Sure. Is there a point that we just that brands just don't do them anymore? Is there a point that they're not profitable for 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 us and that it wouldn't make a difference for what you're doing? No, I, I think I'm not saying it makes a huge difference for difference for what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. if you're a brand in the market. I'm not going to know who you are if I don't if it's not boots on the ground in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've all seen those brands who are like, oh, I love that brand. I, uh, you know, every time Eric comes in, I love seeing him and I, yeah. I want to support him. But I also like the whiskey. But I hate that guy in the whiskey. Uh, but there's also so much good whiskey. Yeah. So it's like, and if he's no longer there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like you you went over to Dancing Goat. I was not buying Dancing Goat mm-hmm. before that. Right. So you come to Dancing Goat, and I'm like, well, let me. Let me buy some Dancing Goat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't buy Blum Brothers in the same way that I did sure. before. But because like, yeah. a, a lot of those, the, the small to mid tier only move because of the hand cells and the, mm-hmm. the conversations, unless it's in a cocktail. Yeah, sure. So is there a point, there must be some intersection where that becomes unprofitable. So how do you, how do you balance do we over, that? Too? Do reps overvalue themselves to their brands then? Mm-hmm. Hmm. As in they can't afford to pay us anymore? Yeah. So, w- you know, we, you know, demand certain kind of compensation and bonuses and stuff for our performance. Does that not bear into, you know, because there's only so much profit to be gained in a bottle of whiskey. Sure. And especially with... Um, there's only so many markets to cover too, or so many bars that you can go into right. and places that you can actually do solid business. in. I'm sure you probably have like your 20 to 25 key accounts and you lean oh, on yeah. them for your max velocity. Yeah. Definitely. It's like where, where, how do you expand that? Where do you take it next? Especially when there's 2000 brands out there on the shelf to uh, compete with. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't build up a new slightly toasted relationship quickly. Yeah. You know, we it takes the other day how it's like going to bars and sitting down for the first time. Maybe they have your stuff. Maybe they don't have your stuff. Probably don't have your stuff. Yeah. And getting a drink, leaving a business card, trying to introduce yourself to right. somebody, not even necessarily the GM, just somebody who might know a little bit about how they purchased their whiskey mm-hmm. and then going back three, four or five times to hopefully get an order of one bottle on the back right. shelf. Right. Is that worth the time and the investment? I, totally not. And you can't spend all your day doing it. You have to mix in the off off premise that can be a little faster yeah. and do your time at key account. But I mean, I, I, I just don't do that anymore. I don't have time for it. I don't do cold calls without at least some amount of information before I go into them. It's very rare. I do maybe three a week where I just go into a place blind and like rust. I'm talking specifically on premise, yeah. maybe one to three times a week. Do I go into a restaurant or bar that I know have no idea what they're doing? 
I just don't have time for it. Yeah, I, I think like I have like there's so many reps locally, and uh, and in the same way where you guys, from your perspective, it's so frustrating when a beverage director moves on, right? <laughs> yeah. But on the on my side, it's really frustrating when a rep moves on. Sure. <laughs> because I'm like I've been building this relationship and we do cool shit and now you know uh do you guys know remember clay hack mm-hmm. yeah, yeah of course yeah, yeah. so when when he left russell's it was mm-hmm. like or, or campari it was like oh man yeah because that, that was my guy like, yeah and yeah. he was so great so affable uh, and allison's great too but like allison has such a a, a huge market that she's got to be responsible for so yep. she can't you know she can't do the give me the same kind of attention that she yeah. would say Clay was at that time. Right. It's probably even harder for those bigger brands for you where you build that trust and relationship with totally. them, especially for those whiskeys that you're talking about, trying to get more special whiskeys from their inventory into your back bar. Right. And then with smaller brands, the tr- the, if uh, the rep moves on, uh, it can be really frustrating. I know I when I left the vodka job, <laughs> remember that, guys? A lot of, no, I, well, I didn't leave it. Cards, I was, baby. Yeah, I was asked to leave because that company ran out of money. Yeah. But, um, Are they still around? Uh, barely. Okay. I NF- think they NFTs have... turn out to be not a great investment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Man, R- uh, rust and piss, American Liquor Company. You really, you really did something there. Um, so uh, they are. I think they still distribute a little bit in Michigan and Ohio and like South Bend, Indiana, and that's pretty much it. So um, yeah, I had. I, I, I moved to. Uh, I, I left. That, uh, I got fired, laid off from them, and yep. my accounts that had it were like well great now i'm just fucking stuck with all this vodka that i Mm. just bought because of like the promises and work that you made and you're like here is a new brand i'm working for yeah 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 yeah, totally sympathizing with them yeah totally yeah so um i'll put in the three case deal for a limousine (laughs) ride with you and uh (laughs) yeah that's funny i mean yeah that it's a hard adjustment for both sides i never thought about it from the bar side because i always think about from our perspective, how do you essentially rebrand yourself with a new brand when you're known as that guy or that girl in the market? Man, I was so afraid of leaving Blum Brothers for that exact day. I, I had a person I consider a mentor who's well, very well known in our our circles here in Chicago. He's like, man, if you were left Star Wars, it'd be a really challenge for you because you're just known as the Star Wars guy because they never had anybody else in the market. I was like, well, I think people leave brands and start new jobs every day. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but like, no one knows what Star Wars is. I'm like, well, I guess, I, but maybe not. I think, it's you not know, fair. I, I don't think, I think for you it wouldn't be that hard. I think it's it's annoying when somebody goes, hey, I'm with this one, I'm with this one, I'm with this one. And you're sure. Like, and yeah. you're like, me investing in that person is like, eh, I don't know if it's worth it. Well, John, I'm taking a new job with Dancing Goats. So uh, Matt's been fired again. Yeah, yeah. This time because of my poor performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased to announce my new job with uh, a little-known Australian whiskey <laughs> brand called Star Wars. That would be so funny if we did switch jobs. Let's do it for a month. Think anybody would notice? No, not in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> we have all the same accounts. It's true. <laughs> that is true. You have more single barrels than me out there, probably though. You have more uh, single other malts. accounts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have more hair on your head. That's true. I'm thinking of cutting it off. Really? Yeah. Can I French braid it? Like uh, your boy? Darwin Nunez. <laughs> uh, Do you know John's a Crystal Palace fan? Is that true? Uh, I'm, I'm a soft Crystal <laughs> Palace fan. The Eagles? 
So, uh, <laughs> you never heard this story, huh? No. No, my my brother my brother was like, hey, let's start getting into uh, to Premier Leagues. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. He goes, let's just pick a team. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so we we tried to find a team that, with the goofiest name. Well, we want to find a team that wasn't a natural winner. Great. Oh, and yeah, you found one. <laughs> <laughs> Barely hold it in. Man. We want to find someone that was relatable as a Clevelander. Okay. Totally. Yeah. That's funny because that's why I chose Liverpool because they weren't that good in 2010, 2009 or 2010 when I yeah. really started getting into them. So that's, that's funny that you that's chose That's why I chose Everton else. too, but now we're on... Oh, it's wait. too sad. No, it's gotten sadder and sadder for your bitch ass, huh? <laughs> Crystal Palace is a fun one because they so much young talent right now are, are are never good, but then they always have the potential to uh, like shellac a good team. Yeah, like no one to wants zero. to ever play them. No, and on the on the flip side, they always have the capability to absolutely get their shit kicked in and lose <laughs> like four to zero. So it is kind of a fun thing. Um, to like tune into a Crystal Palace game and be like, what the fuck? Crystal Palace is beating Manchester City five to zero in the FA Cup right now. Or, uh, wow, Crystal Palace is really lying down like a dog against Aston Villa right now. Fun, fun one to tune in on. Thanks for that soccer talk. Thank you, Roy Hodgson, <laughs> one hundred years old, still coaching. It was funny to see him and David Moyes shaking hands at the end of the game. The other day. <laughs> Combined, like two hundred years old. <laughs> Oh. They can't even like close their like rigor mortisy hands around so each other. Arthritic. They just kind of put them next to each other and move them mm. up and down. Mm. Is there anything uh, new coming up at any of the bars and restaurants that you're excited about before we end this here conversation? Um, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna talk about one of them here in a moment. I sure. With, with uh, we can mention it now too. Yeah. So we literally just got in our new Old Forester single barrel barrel strength pick oh uh and it's fun because i didn't pick this one uh they had this they did this program where they have someone who is like a brand ambassador on a national scale i send them tasting notes and what i want out of the barrel and then she tries to go and find a barrel that matches those notes that's fun that's cool i like a fun easter egg hunt yeah and it was cool because one of the things i always think about old forester it's like those bourbon barrel picks are like so hot Mm-hmm. And it's you get the big black pepper spikes at the front, and it's usually it's just a beast. So the the overarching theme I gave her was I wanted to drink under. Hmm. Like I know it's gonna be a high proof whiskey, but I wanted to drink under that proof. Mm-hmm. And that's very cool. I think she did a great job of delivering. That's awesome. And it's I like a fucking that. great barrel. Well, for the full details on that barrel, listen to the Twelve Days of Barrel Picks. Isn't that fun? Wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I appreciate uh, the hospitality in the corner of this. Nice space. Office building. Yeah, yeah. Right, right above, what street is that? Washington. Washington, yeah. yeah um, Washington and Clinton. Clinton, yeah. Well, everybody come to Slightly Toasted, come to uh, Little Toasted, come to the Lyric Opera, and also, have, <laughs> yeah. and also have a drink. And the if, Copper Club. Yeah, if you're in the West Loop Gate, you'll find us. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're around. If you work in the old post office, go across the street to Little Toasted. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. truly. That's where all the cool kids go. My wife. <laughs> uh, thanks again, John. <clears throat> My wife. You, did, you uh, said that. That's what you said. Buy, da- buy Dancing Goat, but not because supporting Matt Brown, to support my other friends that own the distillery. Thank you. Uh, uh, bye. 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 <laughs> See you guys. Cheers.